recorded that. So. Oh, great. I was just putting out some sick rhymes, y'all. You weren't saying anything. I know I didn't say any <laughs> words. Oh, man. Can you beatbox? No. No? It's a talent that I would like to learn one day. Yeah. Yeah. There was this kid that I went to high school with who was really good at it. But I think people thought he was really annoying because he would just do it all the time. And we're like, we get it. You can make sounds with your mouth. Good. It's easy to uh, confuse those people who can beatbox with people who have Tourette's. <laughs> oh, Justin. So, I'm not being mean. It's just I'm saying. Yeah. Hello. Hiya. Happy episode 10. 10 freaking episodes. Wow. That's 10 weeks of our life we will never get back. <laughs> <laughs> Plus a special episode in there mix. So yeah. actually it's only 11. So it's we oh. passed it and it's not good anymore. It's not special anymore. It's like a sixth anniversary, you know? It's like, yeah. oh, good job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So hi, this is Anything Spooky Goes. I'm Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Hi. What's your name? I'm Sage. No, Sage is sleeping on my lap because he's a good boy. I'm Justin. Great. Actually, Justin is looking a little different today. He's wearing his glasses. So he's pulling a, a Superman Clark Kent kind of a thing right now. Mostly for the blue light. Hey. Filter. Thanks. Headaches. Great. What would be your Clark Kent name? Like your alter uh, ego? Um... I don't know. Yeah. Do you have one ready for me? Well, because your superhero name is Big Cheesy Beef. Right. So I'm thinking like Bob Skaggs. Bob Skaggs? Not yep. even Boz Skaggs? No, it has to be Bob Skaggs. Because then people are going to be like, wait, are you are you related? And you're like, no, 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 no. Different, yeah. different person. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Wait, no. What's, what's your, um? what do you call yourself? Guido? What's your license name? It changes. Oh. I've I've recently started calling myself Guido on my license plate <laughs> or my uh, driver's license. You just, you do look like an Italian mobster. Yeah. And it's great. But like one that's friendly, you know, like I don't think you would do the killing. You would, you would have like um, a restaurant. Okay. And you'd be the person who's like making the lasagna, doing the rounds, being really nice to everybody. But then in your, in the back where the pantry is. Mm. That's where the rest of your family is killing people. I think we called me Vito in the beginning. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. I I liked Alfredo, but I like Alfredo according too. According to someone, Alfredo is not a fat mobster. <laughs> like, well, we don't have to base everything on the Godfather, do we? I can be a fat mobster and be called Alfredo if I want to be. It makes sense. It does make sense. Like the more Alfredo you eat, I'm just saying, I don't know. <laughs> we're not fat shaming though never so today hiya special episode 10 Woo. we've got a big episode for you guys yeah very excited about these stories today yeah. these were really fun ones yes um should be a blast we're hoping so and if yeah. not smile through it anyway thanks yeah. we appreciate it um yeah I'm in a great mood. I think it's the boba. Justin got Could me boba. Be boba. Just kidding. I got bo Justin boba before, but it was nice. <laughs> wow. Well, I got you McDonald's. You did get me McDonald's. Thank you. So, thanks. 
So let's go. Let's party I with the spooky. Let's celebrate after the stories and just dive right in today. Okay. Love it. Sound good? Let's go. Justin. What? Hey, today I'm going to be telling you. Hi. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Great. Okay. Today I'm going to be telling Hi. you about the Burke and Hare murders good. of Edinburgh, Thank Scotland. You. Sorry, what? Are you done talking over me? You asked how I was. I just I answered did. you. I did. Good. All right. Great start. Great start, everybody. Um, Sage, don't eat my cookies. Thanks. Okay. Have you heard of the Burke and Hare murders? No. Great. Well, I'm going to tell you about them today. Sorry. Let's get the baby off the table. Goodbye. All right. So, um, I uh, just to be cognizant and um, transparent, I will not be saying Edinburgh. Because um, I feel like that's how it's supposed to be said. Mm -hmm. But because I'm not from there, I'm not going to say it that way. Like, well, how do you say Edinburgh? 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 It's Edinburgh. Yeah. So I should be saying Edinburgh? Yes. I rescind everything that I just said. Great. So, Justin, the Burke and Hare murders. I'm just going to go quickly, a little recap. Of something you haven't heard yet. Great. Good. Burke and Hare murder, 16 killings committed over a 10-month period in Jesus. 1828. Wow, that's old. Yeah, dude. Okay, so let's get into some history real quick. Great. <clears throat> so, Edinburgh, how much you know about it? Scotland. Good job. That's big. A lot of people probably don't know that. It's lovely. It's a good place. Um, especially Edinburgh is a really cool place it is like constantly foggy there's a lot of brick a uh, lot of harry potter is because of that great good job hannah uh, there's a really cool cafe where jk rowling went and like row i think one two and three and then the bathrooms are like covered in fan art and it's just great super fun time great there's also okay. it's also famous for uh basically like the scottish version of mountain dew called strong brew what it is bright orange. Ooh. So bad for you. Great. But so good. Sounds awesome. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Let's get some hate mail and let's see if I'm wrong. Yeah. From all of our Scottish listeners. <laughs> yeah. So while uh, Edinburgh in Scotland may be famous for those couple of things now, uh, in the early 19th century, it was actually the leading um, center in Europe for the anatomical studies. Interesting. Yeah. So um, in the early 19th century, it was a time where there was a high demand for cadavers, which meant that there was a uh, high demand for a non-legal supply of cadavers. I see. Yes. Yep. Um, Scottish law actually required that corpses used for medical research should only come from those who had died in prison, death by suicide, or from foundlings or orphans. See, but that makes sense. Does it? Well, maybe <laughs> not the, the foundlings and orphans part. Oh, rip to them. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, so the shortage of, corpse of corpses uh, led to, as makes sense, one leads to the other, an increase in body snatching mm, um, yeah. by what were known as resurrection men. Um, yeah. That Does this have to do with, like, grave robbing? Except... You rob the 
everything <laughs> instead of just like special stuff. Yeah. So it has to do with grave robbing and um, purposeful murder. Not because you want to murder, oh, but because you want money. That's gross. Yeah. Okay. So with that happiness, let's get into the beginnings. Uh, William Burke was born in 1792 in Ernie, Ireland. Burke, along with his brother, Constantine, what a name. Constantine. Ugh, they had a like Keanu? Yes, absolutely. Uh, they had a comfortable upbringing and both joined the British Army as teenagers. Um, Burke, Burke served in the uh, militia until he met and married a woman from, uh, a, from a place called County Mayo. Love it. That feels like somewhere I should go. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I like mayo with a lot of stuff. I really do. Give me some garlic aioli. Ugh. Like just hot and fresh fries. Oh, man. Dip that right into the little cup of mayo, Let's man. Go. Like that is life changing. Oh, so freaking good. I love mayo. So good. Yeah. We're kind of gross people, but I love it. <laughs> anyway, so this marriage unfortunately was short lived. And in 1818, after an argument with his father in law over land ownership, Burke just decided to desert his family and his wife and moved to Scotland, where he became a laborer. Um, he settled in the small village of Maddingston near Falkirk and set up a home with Helen McDougall, 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 whom he affectionately nicknamed Nellie. Uh, why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Helen, Nellie, I mean. Nellen. 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 Nellone. I just feel like Helly. Why don't you call her Helly? Not that hard. Well, that just like, Helly. Helly. Come on now over here, Helly. Yeah. Also, I recognize that I'm saying a lot of these towns and like, for two people, for two, two, uh, two folks living in Wisconsin. This means nothing, but maybe if there's a Scottish listener, you'll be like, oh my God, yes, Union Canal, oh, yeah, uh, Union yeah. Canal. Like they do, like when you're watching something and you're like, oh my gosh, I know where that is. Yeah, <laughs> Wisconsin on Supernatural <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, and it's like totally depicted wrong. And you're yeah. just like, well, it's like we, we don't have a desert <laughs> in Wisconsin, but thanks for trying. I appreciate it. <laughs> Oh, good job, Soupy. Um, all right. So uh, that was Burke. And then this is Hare. So unfortunately, both of them are named William. So I will be describing them by their last names only because William Burke and William Hare is a little confusing. Right. And I feel like if we're going between the two, uh -huh. William Burke mm -hmm. could just make make things work pretty well. Yeah. But if your name is William Hare. Willie Hare. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. No, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Also, William Hare was a little bitch. What if people call him Wiggy? Wiggy Hare? Not just Wiggy. Oh. What about Nelly? Why didn't he call him Nelly? <sighs> See, that works better somehow. Missed opportunity. Know. Ridiculous. Well, William Hare <laughs> was born in Newry, Scotland. Little is known about his early life and his actual age. When he was arrested in 1828, spoilers, he said he was 21, but sources said he could be anywhere from 25 to 40. That is way too big of a range <laughs> to not know. Uh, just a bit. Um, one close source described Hare as, quote, illiterate and uncouth, a lean, quarrelsome, violent, and amoral character with scars from old wounds about his head and brow. Goodness. 
Yeah, so really nice. A character, this guy. Yeah, um, they're really not good pictures. They're not actually pictures at all. They're just drawings. But there's there's Burke and Hare, two two nice chaps. Is it Burke and Hare respectively? Oh yeah, there's names. Yes. I see. Burke. See, I'm missing the scars. I know they really did not. Uh, I have, have no bicep muscles, so this is really difficult it's, for me. <laughs> it's very shaky. <laughs> I'm impressed. Uh, I'll post them. They're not important. I mean. Because, again, they're just artist depictions. They both but just look like dudes. Hair has really great eyebrows. I will say that. <laughs> but his hair but is terrible. Ridiculous. The worst you've ever seen. <laughs> Alrighty. So, in the 1820s, William Hare converted his home into a lounge for travelers. Um, a prehistoric Airbnb, if you may. Okay. Um, things were going pretty smoothly until one day in November 1827, a lodger in the Hare house named Donald died of dropsy. Justin, Excuse me? do you, as the medical professional that you are, do you want to guess what dropsy is? Um, I don't know. I feel like it's when you have to go to the bathroom so bad oh okay that you just drop your trousers mm. halfway there i see and just full-on sprint and mm. then they call it a dropsy how would one die from that tripping and falling and breaking your neck Ooh. and then pooping and then pooping i yeah. like it yep. justin voss md everyone <laughs> well, you were not close at all. Um, it's actually an accumulation of fluid that is stuck under the skin that produces immense swelling and oh. can actually burst the skin. No, that is, is the that? worst thing I've ever heard. Isn't that nice? That's horrible. Pretty good. Um, so confused on what to do with this body uh, because, you know, calling for a coroner or the police wasn't a thing in 1827. Right. Hare turned to his good old friend, William Burke, for advice, and they decided to sell the body to Dr. Robert Knox. Okay. Well, you know what, though? Like, this is fine. <laughs> How is this fine? Well, he's dead anyway. Okay. But you can't just sell someone. Okay. Well, whoa. Big philosophical question. Can you sell someone else's body? When they're dead, or is that like body trafficking? What am I trying to say? You know, it's like just because you're dead, I guess you don't really have right to say anything because it's you're dead. I feel like obviously closest kin or like known relation, yeah, is where we go. But if they're not readily available, <laughs> like. It's in your Airbnb. This is true. So it's like, a fresh body. You're like, hey, man, why <laughs> did you do this? Why did you die of dropsy? Now I have dropsy stains yeah. on my carpet, yeah, and I don't know what to do with it, so I need to get paid Uh huh. so I can get him out. This actually makes a lot of sense, especially if his dropsy that he died of was a combination of both our definitions. Right. That's extra stainage. It's very stainy. Oh, that's so bad. Well, Justin... Dr. Robert Knox was an anatomist. Is that how you pronounce that? Tomnus anatomist? Sure. Who was a qualified doctor. Uh, after contracting smallpox as a child, he was blind in one eye and badly disfigured. 
However, that did not stop him from becoming a fellow at the Royal College of Surgeons of Edinburgh, where he lectured on anatomy. He undertook dissections twice a day, mm. and his advertising promised, quote, a full demonstration on fresh anatomical subjects. Yikes. Yep. Um, biographer Isabel Ray can, uh, quoted that without Knox, the study of um, anatomy in the UK would not have become. Oh my God, Hannah, words. Without Knox, yep. the study of anatomy in the UK would not have progressed as it did without him. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Yes. So. So he was like a necessary evil. He was a necessary evil, yeah. Most doctors were in that time, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. What's that one show that you watch? That's um The Nick? Yeah. Yeah. Do they perform on like fresh bodies? Um I don't well, sort of. Okay. The, their their thing their main purpose is trying to like perform surgeries oh. on living people. Um and it doesn't always go the greatest, but it's all in the form of like education. Sure. So it's hard. Okay. So it's not really like, oh, well, bring out your dead, really. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic show, though. Oh, I'd love to watch it. So good. Yeah. It just, I know that medicine is not perfect in 2020, but oh boy, am I glad to not be living and sick in the yes, 1800s. Definitely. Or honestly, even in the 1900s. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm happy with where we're at. Yeah. Great. So, going back to Donald, we'll call him Donnie. That was the that was the guy who died of dropsy. Donnie. So, a little a little trickery to fool the coroner and the police was actually instilled by Birkenhare. So, a carpenter provided a coffin for burial, which was to be paid for by the local parish. Mm -hmm. After the carpenter left with the he left the coffin at the house um burke and hare opened the coffin removed the dead body hid it under the bed filled the coffin with bark and resealed it great after dark on the day the coffin was removed for burial they took the corpse to edinburgh university where they looked for a purchaser Mm -hmm. Therefore, finding Dr. Robert Knox. Great. Um, they received seven pence to split, which back then is a big deal. Sure. That's a lot. Doesn't sound like much. Yeah. Um, according to Burke, as he and Hare left the university, one of Knox's assistants told him that Dr. Knox would be glad to see them again with whatever they had to dispose of. Of course. <laughs> He's called an enabler. Exactly. So... Justin, honestly, I know I know I'm going against what I said before of like, oh, this is wrong. But humor me. So truly, if if you know someone just died in your Airbnb mm. and you're like, wow, I got seven pence. Well, I got three and a half pence for this. Look at that. Mm -hmm. Would you turn to murder? Uh no. Dang it. Well. Did I just shoot down your idea? <laughs> yes. I was hoping to start that up. I think it'd be really nice and quaint. Well, the person before us already had an Airbnb in here, so. That's true. I don't want to let anybody else down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, just to just to humor myself, I'll tell you the rest of this story, okay? All right. Okay. So, unlike unlike us, Burke and Hare were like, you know what? Nah. Let's, let's do this. We're not making enough from the Airbnb. No. 
No. Absolutely not. So, most of the historical sources agree that the first actual murder of Burke and Hare occurred in January or February of 1828. Uh, The first murder was that of a miller named Joseph, who was lodging in the Hare's house at the time. Um... Joseph was suffering from a fever at that time and had become pretty delirious. Mm-hmm. Hare and his wife were concerned that having a potentially infectious lodger would be bad for their business. I see. Hare again turned to Burke and after providing their, vic- their victim with a buttload of whiskey, Good. Hare suffocated Joseph while Burke lay across the upper torso to restrict movement. Goodness. Yep. They again took the corpse to Knox, who this time paid them 10 pence. What? I know. He's really stepping it up. Uh, <laughs> this is like the worst kind of enabling. <laughs> uh-huh. And. It's just a couple hours fresher. So. It's ridiculous. Higher rate. Well, uh, going along with that freshness. Oh, no. Knox was very pleased because um, while Burke was laying across the upper torso to restrict movement, mm-hmm. um, the victim's lungs couldn't overexpand. And therefore, like, ruin the body. So when Knox oh. got him, he was basically, like, in perfect condition. Ew. Yeah. Because when, I guess, like, when you're suffocating, you you expand and, like, your, um, your esophagus or your larynx or whatever the thing you use to breathe. I should really know this. Um, you were gasping for air. Mm-hmm. But because someone was constricting him, he was just in perfect condition. That's gross. Yeah. To hear that. You're welcome. Great. Great. The next two victims were Abigail Simpson, a salt seller. Oh, come on. <laughs> Followed Backbone by... <laughs> of America. <laughs> Thank you for all you do, salt sellers in Scotland. Um, yep. Followed by an English male lodger. Uh, the Englishman did not have a name, but he was a traveling seller of matches and tinder who fell ill with jaundice at the Hare's lodging house. Great. As with Joseph, Hare was concerned that the effect of the illness might have bad uh, might have bad effects on business, and then mm-hmm. just decided to suffocate them while again Berkeley over the body to stop movement and noise. Wow. Yeah. What a friend, though. You know, it's really good. Like that relationship has got to be really rock solid. Absolutely, because yeah. you can be like, "Well, are you going to murder me? Nah, you can't murder me because I'm the guy who helps you murder people by I laying lay on the chest. dude. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Abigail Simpson was invited over to uh, the hair house where she was um, piled with enough alcohol to ensure that she was too drunk to return home safely. That is a quote. Great. <laughs> Just what we want to hear. Exactly. After murdering her, Burke and Hare placed the body in a tea chest and sold it and the body of the unnamed Englishman again to Knox. They received 10 pence for 10 pence each for the two bodies. Question. Yes. What about the jaundice dude? The jaundice dude was the unnamed Englishman. Right. Yes. But he's sick. This is true. He is not in perfect condition. Oh, maybe. Maybe Knox was like, yes, give me some jaundice. Yeah, maybe he was like, look at this yellow guy. Exactly. Oh. He's a different color. I like him. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say that. Okay. I rescind that statement. (laughs) I didn't mean it. Um, According to Burke's later confession uh, confession records, he said that Dr. Dr. Knox approved of the bodies being so fresh 
but he did not think to ask any questions about the freshness. Of course. So basically this guy like doesn't care whatsoever. Again, full enabler. Yes. (sighs) Great. Yeah. In in, uh, either February or March of that year, an old woman was invited into the house by Margaret Hare. So this is Hare's wife. Oh, come on. Yep. Are they in on it too? They are in it. Oh, man. She was given enough whiskey to fall asleep. And when Hare returned that afternoon, he covered the sleeping woman's mouth and nose with a bed tick, which is like a a stiff mattress cover. I had to look it up Mm -hmm. and left her. She was dead by nightfall. And Burke joined his companion to transport the cops to uh, the corpse to Knox, who yet again paid another ten pence. Where does he get this money from? I don't know, dude. Ridiculous. Maybe he's selling the bodies. Maybe he's the middleman. So okay. he's selling the bodies again. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Who knows? Convoluted. Yeah. All right. I know this is a lot of death. So I'm. I, I have a couple more. A couple more, and then I'll then I'll stop being so sad. Um. Okay, so in early-ish April, Burke met two women. One known, or one's name was Mary Patterson, also known as Mary Mitchell, because why not have two why different last two names? Exactly. Yeah. So Mary and then Janet Brown. Um, he brought the two women over to his home and then um, fed them alcohol alongside their breakfast, which is fine. Do your thing. I get it. Good. The three left his home um, with two bottles of whiskey and and went to his brother's house. Goodness. After getting incredibly drunk. The brother's in on it too? Mm. Come on. I know, dude. This is a web of deceit. Ridiculous. Oh my God. So after getting pretty drunk, and I'm not victim blaming, Mary Patterson excused herself for the night, promptly passed out, (laughs) and was quickly murdered. I'm so sorry, Mary. It's just funny that she's like, I'm gonna leave. Okay, bye. And then (laughs) Bam, just, on the floor. Just done. <laughs> You're like, okay, well, she tried. It's so sad. She tried. It's so sad. Yeah. So that afternoon, the pair took the body to Knox in yet another tea chest. Again, where are they getting all the tea chests? I don't know. They Probably were, with the 10 pence they keep getting. Everything. Well, here's the crappy thing. Knox only gave them eight pence for this body. Ridiculous. But the jaundice guy was 10 pence. The jaundice guy was 10 pence, yeah. Ridiculous. Yep. Also, this is an awful, gross fact. Great. When they delivered her corpse, it was still warm to the touch. No. Yep. No. Yeah. That. And he doesn't question it. Well, here's the thing. Ferguson, who was one of Dr. Knox's assistants, asked yeah. where they had attained the body because he recognized her. <gasps> yep. Burke explained that the girl had drunk herself to death and that they had purchased it. 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 From an old woman in the cannon gate. Knox was delighted with the corpse and stored it in whiskey for three months before dissecting her. Hey, you honestly probably could have not done that because she had enough in there <laughs> to be preserved anyway. She pickled herself. Yeah. Oh, God, this is awful. I like I sometimes forget that we're talking about actual people. I know. It's so know? hard. It just This is a, such a crazy story. Like, why can't murder just be a concept that Stephen King made up? Yeah. You know, how yeah. fun would that be? If it wasn't an actual thing. Right. I just, I don't get whoever, who, who, I, it was, it was Kane. Yeah. Is that bitch Kane? Wait, which one? Wait, no. Did Kane kill Abel or was it Abel that killed Kane? Um, 
The Old Testament, first Brief of all. pause while we uh, look this up. I, meanwhile, while we're looking this up, will be informing <laughs> you all about the beginning of the Bible. So, in the beginning, <laughs> there was, um, uh, what's what? it, Ge- Genesis. Yep, um, good job. Uh, 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 laying on of oh. the hands. Um, confirmation. I confirmation. I did that one. You did, yeah. Uh, um, uh, reception. Sweetie, um, you're sweating a lot. As uh, are there some traumatic uh, memories coming back? I don't or? know enough about this. To uh, can, are you ready? Can we I just, am. Yes, uh, I am. Um, I will say, however, all religion things aside, the Old Testament truly terrifies me. Um, because you know, there's stories about murder and if you drop oh i'm sorry i really hope you couldn't hear that <laughs> again we are not cutting this so you're just gonna have to live it's through the it boba. the I'm boba so does not do that to you sorry. episode 10 everybody this is where we peak and there will never be anything as good as this oh my god okay Anyway, so um, yeah, uh, Cain Cain killed his brother. Cain yeah. killed Abel. Yeah, great, and then lied about it. <laughs> Good. Okay. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, I just don't understand the first person who was like, you know what? I don't like that person. I'm gonna kill him. Yeah, it was Cain. I know, but like, and then he lied about it to his mother sister. Yeah. <laughs> Justin. <laughs> <Stop>. What? <laughs> oh my god! I hate <laughs> my laugh. Okay, I just that's the thing. I just don't get it. Why yeah. why murder people it, when you can just eat food? Fair. <laughs> Hannah, 2020. Fair. I would vote. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, well, um, let's get back to that murder. Um uh, blah, 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 blah. okay. Um whoa. Bergen Hare murdered two other lodgers in June. <laughs> this is a lovely quote. Uh, an old woman and a dumb boy. Her grandson. <laughs> Goodness. Why? Why Why does he have to be dumb? I think that. That's not fair. No, I think that these two guys are just complete jerks. That's just and, rude. Yeah. Like, this, that was a direct quote from Burke in his freaking <laughs> confession. That's horrible. He said, while the dumb boy sat by the fire... <laughs> <laughs> why dumb boy Justin don't laugh it's sad <laughs> oh, it's too it's too much that's just over the line oh my god it's okay it's just like if you're gonna murder someone fine but like don't insult them after you post-mortem yes yeah. like that part no don't be rude Okay, so while the dumb boy sat by the fire in the kitchen, his grandmother was murdered in the bedroom by the usual method. Uh, Burke and Hare then picked up the boy and carried him to the same room where his dead grandmother laid and then was killed. Oh my gosh. Burke later said that this was the murder that disturbed him the most as he was haunted by the recollection of the boy's expression as he realized that not only was his grandmother dead, but he was about to die. That was the tipping point for yep, you. Yep. Oh, I'm so well, sorry that you have to live with that now. But the thing is, is that that wasn't the tipping point because oh <laughs> they God. continued to kill. No. All right. Great. So I'm just going to fast forward a couple of them because this is pretty sad. Great. So the final victim was killed on Halloween. No. 1828. The sacred day. I know. Just so sad. Her name was Margaret Doherty. Doherty? 
Her name was Margaret, a middle-aged Irish woman. Burke lured her into his lodging house by claiming that his mother was also a Doherty, Doherty from the same area of Ireland. Uh, I guess that's that's a hey cousin. Yeah, come on in. Let's it's part let's of drink. Your clan. Yeah. Yeah. They began drinking at around 9 p.m. Um, uh, some other lodgers briefly returned to collect uh, some clothing for their children and saw Burke, Hare, and their wives and the guests, Margaret, all drunk, singing, and dancing. Okay. Although Burke and Hare um, came to, uh, they, I, it said came to blows at some point in the evening. I think that means they got in a fight. Mm-hmm. So although Burke and Hare got in a fight at some point in that night, they decided to end their quarrel and instead murder Margaret by putting her bottle her, by putting her dead body in a pile of straw at the end of the bed and leaving her for the night. The next day, two lodgers, Anne and James Grays, returned to the lodge. Anne became quite suspicious when Burke would not let her approach a bed where she had left her stockings the previous evening. Oh, boy. When they are left alone in the house in the early evening, the Greys searched the straw and found Doherty's body, showing blood and saliva all over her face. Ew. I don't get the saliva. I I don't want to question it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because they they, uh, suffocate people, right? Oh, that's true. So, like, if he's, like, laying on this woman's chest, it's possible that he's, like, breaking ribs. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these two, the Greys, pretty righteous people because they decided to go alert the police. Ooh, I like it. However, on their way, they (sighs) ran into Burke, who tried to bribe them off with with an offer of 10 pence a week and free room and board. Because that's exactly where you want to stay, where you know people are getting killed. Sure is. Yeah. They politely refused. Good. Good of them. Oh, my Lord. Okay. So while the Greys were reporting the murder to police, Burke and Hare removed the body and took it to Knox's surgery yet again. Great. The police uh, searched and located Doherty's bloodstained clothing that was hidden under the bed. Mm -hmm. Burke and his wife gave different time for Doherty's departure from the house, which raised enough suspicion for the police to take them in for questioning. So you you need that substantial evidence. Right. Um, early the following morning, the police went to Knox's dissecting room where they found Doherty's body. James Gray identified her as the woman he had seen with Burke and Hare the evening before she was murdered because they sure. were also lodgers there. Yeah. And that was enough. Hare and his wife were arrested that day and denied any knowledge of any of the events. Of course they did. Yep. In total, 16 per- people were murdered by Burke and Hare. Burke stated later that he and Hare were generally in a state of intoxication when the murders were carried out and that he could not sleep at night without a bottle of whiskey by his bed and a two penny candle to burn all night besides him. Besides him, when he awoke, he would take a drink from the bottle, sometimes half a bottle at draught, and that would make him sleep. Also, he was a heavy Vicodin user. Yay. Wait, half a bottle in a one draft? Uh-huh. Are you kidding me? Nope. Dude. Whatever you got to do to drink the fact that you're murdering people away. Yeah. This is where binge drinking culture started. People. Yeah. We need to be waking up to this. (laughs) That's insane. (sighs) Yeah. So they were uh, consequently hung, which. Oh, good news. Great. Love it. Um, 
Go ahead, please. Do we have a postmortem irony to go through here? Or <laughs> like, do we have a seller and a buyer? Oh, that'd be pretty good. Can you imagine if Dr. Knox was like, yeah, four <laughs> for, pence. For real, though. Like, you could you could get two more bodies for this. That'd be really good. Can you do a Scottish accent? Uh, <laughs> the only thing I can think of is, oi, mate. Oi. <laughs> yeah. That's not. Uh, something about how can you have any pudding? This is this is true. If you don't eat your meat, I love it. If you had the chance to nope. change your fate, <laughs> would ya? No, <Nope. laughs> probably not. Right. Uh, do you ever just like hate yourself? You no, know? No, actually. Oh, okay. I'm very happy with who I am. Oh Lord. Well, this ends the official story of the Burke and Hare murders. Wow. However. Yeah. Well, we only got one of them, though, right? What? We only got one of the two. Oh yeah, no, I'm sorry. They were both arrested. Oh, I thought it was the him and his wife. Yes. So Hare and his wife were arrested that same day. Okay. Sorry. I, see. Yeah, I left yeah. out the fact that Burke was also arrested. Nice. They all were subsequently hung. Awesome. That is a very important point. Righteous. Righteous. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. Cool. So now, Justin, to go a little spooky real quick before I end. Oh boy. If you were interested whatsoever in expanding your knowledge of Edinburgh and the darkness that surrounds that lovely town, yeah, you could perhaps take a tour of the Nidri Street Vaults on an old Riki tour. Okay. Great. Justin just made his chair vibrate. That's fine. It's squeaky. I can't uh-huh. help it. We're just two gassy people tonight, per usual. Great. Okay. So towards the end of the 18th century, the Nidri street vaults became home to numerous taverns, merchants, and anybody who wanted to fly under the radar of law enforcement. Okay. It is said that Burke and Hare used the vaults to stash their bodies during the height of their dastardly deeds. Oh, man. And would use it in between the murders and dropping the bodies off to Knox. Yikes. So it was like their passage. Yeah. How did the bodies even make it long? I feel like they dropped them off so quickly. Yeah. That must have been like a secret tunnel. Absolutely. Well, so I have pictures of, the, of these Oh, tunnels. man. All right. It is legitimately like an underground city. Creepy. Like there. Well, here, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Okay. Okay. So written records of the vaults are far and few between. Mm-hmm. So it is not known for certain when they are actually shut down. But it was believed to have been any time in the mid-19th century. Um, the vaults were rediscovered in the 1980s, which, like, isn't that wild? Yeah. Like, they were below the city of Edinburgh for, for that long. decades. Yeah. And they were not rediscovered until Nobody the, knew it. the 80s. Yeah. Well, some people might have known. Yeah, That's creepy. People, for sure. Yeah. Um, an excavation team was held a couple years later during which numerous artifacts um, mm. from its time as a literal black market were discovered. Wow. Um, okay. So it was thought that not only was this the place that um, Burke and Hare would bring bodies through, that it was also a, a place of sex work, of illegal drugs, and alcohol. Justin, stop <laughs> farting. I'm telling a story I'm about not, murder. You can't just blame me for this every time. <laughs> you're laughing your booty off over there. It's just funny to laugh when you're telling your stories. Oh, yeah, when I'm telling my story I about like murder. I stories. It makes me happy to listen to you. <laughs> oh, thanks, sweetie. 
You're still so I need to laugh. Great. Um, so now currently a modern witch's coven set up a shop in the vaults after the excavation, oh boy. which may account for some of the, um, supposed heightened paranormal activity in the location. Could do it. It is said that shortly after claiming the vaults, member of the coven set about searching for a room in which to stage their various rituals. Mm. After settling into a room and doing whatever it is that witches do, okay. the group left for a night. Upon their return the following day, they found the room in a state of disrepair, and some reported seeing a shadowy mirror, a shadowy man in the mirror which hung no. in the room. No. No. Another room in the vault is said to be home of a vicious, vicious poltergeist oh, who has boy. attacked numerous visitors over the years. During the vault's early years as a tourist attraction, mm -hmm. light bulbs installed in the room would randomly explode for no reason at all. Great. Any replacement bulb would meet a similar fate, and caretakers eventually just stopped trying to light the room altogether, and now the vault lies in a state of perpetual darkness. Gross. Except for the torches and lanterns carried by those who are determined to pay visit. That is so creepy, and I think that would be super fun to go. So, honeymoon spot? Yes, definitely. Here is one crappy picture of what the vaults look like. Oh, no. So, truly, it is just a tunnel. That is very frightening. Like, we're playing Outlast right now that yeah. you know. It's basically that. Like the sewers area. Yes. Yeah. It is just, it's like a city underneath the city. That's so creepy. That was just shut off for years. And they're still discovering things. Wow. Yeah. So, if anybody is interested in paying Edinburgh, Scotland uh, a visit, highly recommend looking into the Auld Reeky tours. Yeah. Let us know if you find anything spooky. And get a cuppa at a <laughs> at a, that one Harry Potter cafe that I should know. Nice. Yeah. Good so one. So, that, that's my story. Good one. Yay! That was really terrifying <laughs> and really interesting i thank you i just got to a point where i was like do i really need to talk about all 16 murders yeah like, I, think I don't you unfortunately i think you covered a good amount thanks it's just rough it is rough that's so ridiculous that people can do that i just i can't and doing it the same way every single time yeah it's so methodical yeah yeah. And, and like if they wouldn't have gotten caught by the grays would they have stopped no no way i mean truly they were turned in i feel like that is the only reason they stopped yeah i feel like they were already killers yeah but like maybe they hadn't had the opportunity to act on it in the same way sure and once this guy started paying them for bodies they were also like well hey look at that might as well yeah yeah Terrible. It's a really fascinating thing. Well, and also, if he was willing, if Dr. Knox was willing to pay Burke and Hare money, yeah. how many other people, other people yeah. were being killed in this city at the time? Or how many people, especially because they had, you know, a lodge where people were coming in who were, were merchants or maybe people who were kind of transients. Foreigners, yeah. Exactly. Those are people who, unfortunately, maybe locals didn't care about it's like the world's fair in chicago exactly yeah Man. Oh. Wow. we'll get there one day i'm sure heck yes we will well that was a good one thanks baby 
Good job. I appreciate it. Um. Okay. Well, while Hannah finishes her cookie. Sorry. Um, my story today is pretty crazy. I don't like telling you the title at the beginning. Okay. I feel like it ruins it, and I'd like to have some fun with it. Mm-hmm. All of my sources today from Wikipedia, BBC4, and uh, Fossil Legends of the First Americans. Ooh. So, let's take a step back in time to April 26th, 1890. <gasps> that was almost... I'm not going to do the math. Never mind. Great. 1890. <laughs> now, this here's a story about two good old ranching boys who had quite an experience during the day. <laughs> <laughs> daily jokes. You ruined it. No, no, I no. I was saying. Do it again. Do it again. I'll now, this here's a story about two good old ranching boys who had quite an experience during, during daily chores and joys. All right. Now I'm done. <laughs> One morning, the tombstone epitaph of tombstone Arizona released a story about two ranchers having killed a winged monster said to resemble a huge alligator 92 feet in length with an eight foot long head jaws thickly set with strong, sharp teeth, a smooth hairless body with a maximum diameter of 50 inches an immense pair of wings composed of a thick and nearly transparent membrane estimated wingspan of 160 feet two feet just ahead of the wings and an elongated tail. Anything else? Dang. This is a description. Oh my gosh. I just, I can't even fathom that. Okay. Beyond this single story, however, no one has made historic corroboration that this event ever occurred. Okay. It is usually considered an urban legend. Completely fictional tall tales were not an uncommon feature in newspapers during this era. I have for you now a picture of what we're talking about. And just (gasps) hang on a second. (gasps) I'm saying there's something else going on here. What are we looking at with this story? (laughs) It's a pretty crazy description. Pterodactyl. Uh, Bubbling crude. (laughs) What's the story about Bubba? Tell me. We're talking about the Thunderbirds Yes! Today. Oh, I've waited so long. This is one of my favorite research oh my I've gosh. ever done. Tell me everything. North American indigenous people's culture is incredibly vivid and diverse, mm-hmm. and it is a very fascinating and beautiful culture to explore. Native Americans concocted and viewed many different gods and creatures thought to symbolize different aspects of life. One very such creature is known as the Thunderbird. It is considered a supernatural being of power and strength. It is especially important and frequently depicted in the art, songs, and oral histories of many Pacific Northwest Coast cultures, but is also found in various forms among some people of the American Southwest, East Coast of the United States, Great Lakes, and Great Plains. So I'm going to be talking about a bunch of the different... um, I guess tribes sure. and uh, groups okay. of indigenous peoples that um, all have similar mythology in Very terms nice. of this. Okay. 
So I'm going to start off with Algonquin. In Algonquian mythology, the Thunderbird controls the upper world while the underworld is controlled by the underwater panther or great horned serpent. The Thunderbird throws lightning at the underworld creatures and creates thunder by flapping its wings. Thunderbirds in this tradition are commonly depicted as having an X-shaped appearance. This varies from a simple X to recognizable birds. The X-shaped Thunderbird is often used to depict the Thunderbird with its wings alongside its body and the head facing forward instead of in profile. Mm. So I have a couple pictures of um, Mississaugas is the first one. Okay. Um, you know how it's just, it's just kind of lines. Yeah. And then there's a very specific head drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, Ho-Chunk also has... Um, very similar drawing but again it's just kind of lines yeah and uh, like little circles for mm. her arms yeah and then the menominee goes really crazy <laughs> that one's carrying a stick <laughs> like maybe it's lightning could be yeah what i think is really fascinating and i wanted to say this um about uh when you when you first were talking about uh, like this the spread mm-hmm. of the thunderbird yeah like the fact that these are these are three distinct and separate groups yeah and they all have similar depictions it's almost the exact same in all three that's so freaking cool yeah pretty wild that's awesome so um next up i'm gonna i have the menominee the menominee of northern wisconsin Tell of a great mountain that floats in the western sky on which dwell the Thunderbirds. Mm. They control the rain and hail and delight in fighting and deeds of greatness. They are the enemies of the great horned snakes and have prevented these from overrunning the earth and devouring mankind. Thank you. They are messengers of the great sun himself. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I'm not into meeting any of those snake, snaky boys. No. Um, the Ojibwe version of the myth states that the Thunderbirds were created by Nana Bojo. Mm. Do you remember Bojo? I do. Yeah. Huh. Pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Pretty good. He is known as a trickster and culture figure. Huh. Um. But that the Thunderbirds were created by Nana Bojo for the purpose of fighting the underwater spirits. Interesting. They were also used to punish humans who broke moral rules. Uh, The Thunderbirds lived in the four directions and arrived with the other birds in the springtime. In the fall, they migrated south after after the ending of the underwater spirits' most dangerous season. Huh. Yeah. Um, Now I have um, an Ojibwe. Shoulder pouch depicting two Thunderbirds in quill work. Oh, my gosh. From the Peabody Museum. Seriously, like, once this is posted, like, if you, well, maybe I'm just talking for me, but, like, I have absolutely seen this Yeah. Um, on so many different types of clothing and paintings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very distinguishable, um, like, figure. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's like like the hourglass body is very, very distinguishable. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so pretty, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, the Winnebago tradition uh, states that a man who has a vision of a Thunderbird during a solitary fast will become a war chief. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. People are probably praying for that. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's it's definitely a sign of respect. Yeah. Like you are you become a humongous important figure in the culture. So Exactly. Um now if you're a Wisconsin listener, you've probably heard of quite a few of these tribes. Um and I'll tell you why. Because a lot of them were in Wisconsin at one point. And we have proof. <gasps> oh my gosh. In Juneau County, Wisconsin, oh a place called Twin Bluff, there are Thunderbirds carved in a sandstone wall. Come on. By prehistoric artists. Oh my God, I have gooseies. Now, I did look this up because it is in Wisconsin. Um, it's about an hour and a half away, but we really can't go there. Mm. It's on private land now. Okay. Um, so that they could, uh, eliminate vandalism and graffiti. Great. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. So, uh, they have pictures for us, but unfortunately we can't visit. Okay. So. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, if that's not enough for you, I got some stories. Ooh, tell me. On April 10th, 1948, three individuals in Overland, Illinois, spotted what they originally thought to be a passing plane. But after seeing a large set of flapping wings, they realized this plane was something very different. A few weeks later, in Alton, Illinois, a man and his son saw what they described as an enormous bird-like creature with a body shaped like a naval torpedo. (laughs) The creature was flying at at least 500 feet, 152 meters, and cast a shadow the same size as a small passenger airplane. Oh, my God. Imagine just like you're walking outside with your boy, (laughs) playing some ball, and all of a sudden, a passenger jet flies over. And you're like, Dad, Dad, it's a plane. And then your dad's like, no, it's a bird. And then the son's like, no, it's. Superman, and then your dad's like, "No, it is actually a bird. We need to go inside." You know? Oh my god! And you said this happened in the forties. Yeah. So forty-eight. Just uh, imagine you're like World War II has just ended. Right. Right. How absolutely terrifying this must Something be. Something that big. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh gosh. Yeah. Ugh. Well, similar sightings around the same time happened in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, They prompted residents to write concerned letters to then St. Louis Mayor um, Alois Kaufman, demanding that the city do something about these reportedly huge birds. (laughs) The mayor instructed an administrative assistant to set a trap to catch one of the creatures. But when blue heron tracks were discovered on an island in the Merrimack River, the mystery was considered solved. Mm. Blue herons... Give me a break. I mean, I imagine they have pretty pretty good wingspans, but not that big. Not that big. No. Whatever these people are seeing sounds way bigger than some herons that have been flying around the area. Uh-huh. Well, in 2002, a sighting of a large bird-like creature with an apparent wingspan of around 4 meters or 14 feet was reported in Alaska. Mm-hmm. The Anchorage Daily News reported witnesses describing the creature like something out of the movie Jurassic Park. 
Scientists suggested the giant bird may have simply been a Stellar's sea eagle, which have a wingspan of 180 to 240 centimeters or 6 to 8 feet and had been reported in the area previously. Um, but following that, the paranormal reality series Destination Truth, <laughs> Josh Gates, my idol and hero, yeah. traveled to Man- Manakotic in 2009 to search for the creature. Hmm. Um, obviously, he didn't find him. Dang it, Josh. But I still believe in him, <laughs> and he's still a personal hero. As recently as 2007, sightings have been claimed in the area around San Antonio, Texas. Hmm. So these are all places that like are weirdly close. Yeah. It's interesting that they're they're not very territorial. I mean, I guess, but kind of what you're talking about before, like they're they could be following like migra- migratory yeah. patterns. Yeah. yeah. And they're North America's one of the only places that really has migratory birds. Sure. Just because of the way the land is oriented. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Hmm. On January 16th, 2018, there were reportedly several sightings of a large black bird the size of a small plane on the Mendenhall Valley area of Juneau, Alaska. Oh, gosh. So we have a ton of different (laughs) purported sightings of these creatures. And especially in recent times. Yeah. All over the United States. Yeah. So now I have some scientific interpretation Mm, and some possible theories of what we got going on here. All right. Historians Adrian Mayer and Tom Holland. Not that one. Tom Tom Holland? I'm sorry? Uh, (laughs) What if it was him? Oh, my God. He was swinging on his web (laughs) across these places, Uh tricking people into thinking it was Thunderbirds. I, I believe it. I don't. Thunderbirds are real. <laughs> they have suggested that stories of the Thunderbird were based on discoveries of pterosaur fossils by Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Some cryptozoologists have theorized the ancient Thunderbird myth to be based on sightings of a real animal with a mistaken assessment of its apparent size. Cryptozoologists also posit that the Thunderbird was associated with storms because they followed the drafts to stay in flight, not unlike the way a modern eagle rides mountains, rides up mountain currents. Okay. John A. Keel claimed to have mapped several Thunderbird sightings and found that they corresponded chronologically and geographically with storms moving across the United States. Wow. Yeah. I want to have that job. Doesn't that sound awesome? That sounds so cool. I would love to be that guy. Oh my gosh. Um, Angelo P. Caparella, an ornithologist at Illinois State University, argues that the existence of such undiscovered large birds is highly unlikely, especially in North America. Um, According to Caparella, there is not enough food in many areas where abnormally large birds are reported. Perhaps more important uh, is the lack of sightings by the legions of competent bird watchers scanning the skies of the United States and Canada. Who okay. sometimes make surprising observations with cameras at the ready. Um, wow, it'd just be a heartbreaker, Caparelli. Yeah, no, we're we're still going too. Ugh. Were there breeding populations of large unknown birds? 
Caporella contends they could not remain unknown very long. Yeah. Um, also in Mysterious New Mexico, author Ben Radford published the results of his investigation of modern sightings of Thunderbirds, ascribing many to sightings of birds such as condors. Oh, well, that's embarrassing. A little bit. And it's a little uh, disappointing. Yeah. Um, like, is it so bad for us to want a huge bird? No. Who, like, depicts, or who, um, like, brings about thunder and also protects us from giant serpents? Of course not. This is my dream. Yes. You know? Is it too much to ask, Earth? No. It, I, I say no. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, now I have some related creatures Ooh. that actually exist, confirmed. Okay. Not just sightings. Okay. And belief. These are real. Mm. And I have pictures. Nice. So, first off, we have the lightning bird or Impundulu or Thekwane, is a creature in the folklore of the tribes of South Africa, including the Pondo, the Zulu, and the Josa. The Impundulu, which translates as lightning bird, takes the form of a black and white bird the size of a person, which is said to summon thunder and lightning with its wings and talons. It is a vampiric creature associated with witchcraft, often the servant or familiar of a witch or witch doctor, which attacks the witch's enemies. It is said to have an insatiable appetite for for blood. Sometimes it takes the form of a beautiful young man who seduces women. I'm glad it's not the other way around, you know? Absolutely. Equality. Exactly. Among certain African tribes is the the hammer cop is believed to be the lightning bird. Mm. That's the picture I have there. Okay. So cute. Among others, the lightning bird is believed to manifest itself only through lightning except to women to whom it reveals itself as a bird oh yeah if you're a woman you get to see birds heck yes lucky you guys women are just really in tune with nature i can tell (laughs) in these instances the bird is of imaginary nature and may take several forms in one instance a village girl described a black rooster-like bird that ran up her Oh, uh, it ran up her um, her hole like the yeah yeah pulling yeah. dirt, and left claw marks on her body before it flew back to the clouds. Oh Lord! Yeah. In other instances, it is described as having iridescent feathers like a peacock's or a fiery red tail, bill, and legs. Most supposed sightings describe the lightning bird as a winged creature the size of a man. When needed, it can indeed masquerade as a human, but usually. It's a huge black and white bird of prey. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's really a cool. Pretty little bird. This is a super cute bird. I get the hammer cop. Yeah. It it does look like a hammer. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, we have Rock. Mm. The Rock. <laughs> Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Do you smell? What the Rock <laughs> has been lightning. Oh, fun. Uh, this is from Persian Ooh. culture. Okay. Uh, the rock is an enormous legendary bird of prey in the popular mythology of the Middle East. The rock appears in Arabic geographies and natural history, popularized in Arabian fairy, t- fairy tales and sailors' folklore. Ibn Battuta tells of a mountain hovering in the air over the China Seas, which was the rock. Oh, my. 
The story collection, 1001 Nights, includes tales of Abd al-Rahman and Sinbad the Sailor, both of which include the rock. Marco Polo said in the 13th century, quote, It was for all the world like an eagle, but one indeed of enormous size, so big in fact that its quills were 12 paces long and thick in proportion. <laughs> And it is so strong that it will seize an elephant in its talons and carry him high into the air and drop him so that he is smashed to pieces, having so killed him. The bird swoops down on him and eats him at leisure. Oh, my gosh. And I literally have a picture of it carrying an elephant. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like a painting. What? It's pretty cool. It is really cool. But, like, I, I can't even fathom the the size of that if you can just swoop down and pick up an elephant yeah how big are you pretty darn wow well marco polo is a pretty trustworthy guy big enough to scare two good old ranching boys <laughs> that's what i have to say about that are you gonna sing your song again i will not dang it um next up i have rainbird oh the rainbird in native american legend was a bird who brought rain a rainbird design is used in some Native American poetry and pottery. Mm. The rainbird was known by coastal Native Americans as the bringer of life. The reason behind it was that rain, the bringer of life, brought life to the coastal natives by watering their plants and hence giving food and water to the animals they hunted. Oh, it's beautiful. That is a pretty bird. Okay, I wanted to say this before, and I really am nervous that I'm going to be spoiling something. Mm -hmm. But um, Zapdos and Articuno, right? And Moltres. And Moltres. Especially for Zapdos and Articuno, they really are giving me some Thunderbird and Rainbird vibes. Yep. Like depiction and all we also have the firebird The firebird. that's just a car but okay but i mean especially with the rainbird zapdos is literally a thunderbird yes and this rainbird that is this is articuno's depiction mm -hmm. like this is pokemon by the way y'all get yes. on it yeah great that's just i'm just wondering like i'm wondering if they were inspired i would i would not be surprised if that was the case yeah yeah oh, so pretty uh, next, I have Pamela. Pamela? Also known as Pamolai, Pimola, Pomola, and Bimola. Okay. It's a legendary bird spirit that appears in Abenaki mythology. Mm. This spirit causes cold weather. So I will just back up one second. Um, from the office, <laughs> we have Pamola. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the correct pronunciation? Pr yes. Pronect pronunciation. It is the pronect pronunciation. Anna, what is wrong with you? Oh, Lord. Pamola. <laughs> is that how you summon it? Get it? It's the Ricola thing. Thank you, baby. Okay. So, specifically, <laughs> according to the Pen Penobscot Tribal Nation, mm -hmm. Pamela, I'm going to say Pamola. It's fine. Inhabited Katadin, the tar tallest and largest mountain in Maine. Oh. Pamela is said to be the god of thunder and protector of the mountains. The Penobscot people describe him as having the head of a moose, 
the body of a man and the wings and feet of an eagle. Oh, my. Pamola was both feared and respected by the Penobscot nation, and his presence was one of the main reasons that climbing the mountain was considered taboo. The spirit resented mortals intruding from down below. Because of this, the mountain was off limits to all below. Henry David Thoreau, of his August 1846 exploration of the Penobscot River and Katadin, wrote, Pomola is always angry with those who climb to the summit of Katadin. Wow. It was also believed that Pomola took prisoners to Alomkik, located near Katadin. The name is now preserved on Pamola Peak, a summit of Katadin, at the eastern edge of the Knife Edge Ridge. The Pamola Lodge of the Order of the Arrow is an honor camping society of the Boy Scouts of America. Ah! Pamola's image is commonly used on several of the society's insignia. Roy Dudley, probably the most notable of the early guides on Katadin, was known for his campfire yarns about Pamola. Pamola's kind of creepy. Like, so kind of look. It kind of reminds me of Jesus. Oh my god! Like he's got like a Jesus thing going on. Well, so here's the thing, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, mm-hmm. even though it absolutely is going to be the way. He's ripped, right? Like that part of him that's a man. He's ripped. You got six pack and pecs. Like Jesus. Like Jesus. He's got wings. Like Jesus. Like angel Jesus. He's got white. Like Jesus' robes. Great. I was wondering where you're going with that one. And he's like, you know, he's got his arm around the guy, like talking to him and talking through his addiction and the relationship that he broke off with his wife and how he's going to reconnect with his kids. I see. um, And find his way back to the Lord and Savior, Pomola. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm just saying, if I saw Pomola, I would probably poop myself mm. and just give up. Mm-hmm. Because this truly is um, a moose man. It's true eagle. nightmare. It's yeah. True nightmare. It's, yeah. It's intense. It's a true nightmare. Yeah. I do like that it's a protective mountain, though. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Huh. That's all I got. I wow. mean, yeah, I agree with you that uh, the legendary birds of Pokemon definitely seem like they are taken or inspired from uh, the idea of Thunderbirds yeah. or other bird legends. Yeah. Throughout, I mean, all culture. Absolutely. I just think that's so cool. And um, this is just me. But honestly, like, I don't know a lot about... I don't know about any of the the spirits or the um, the gods or any of the birds that you talked about today. Yeah. So I think that's super fascinating. And honestly, like on a normal day, I feel like a lot of people would not know about them. Yeah. So I think it's super cool. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, indigenous people's legends are always so interesting. So freaking cool. Their culture is fascinating. Yeah. And I feel like there's got to be more coming yeah. from me on it. But Fine by this me. was this was such a fun episode. And 
something that is really weird. Um, slightly related to this, something called terror birds. Ooh. Um, and that's something that my old coworker wizard was really interested in. Really? And he actually was in a documentary about it. <laughs> it's on Amazon, actually, if you want to watch it. I don't remember exactly what it's called. Oh but my gosh. I might we might add it in the post or yeah. something. Yeah. Oh my, well, I'd love to hear about terror birds. We should honestly watch that documentary. I did already. Did you? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> okay, fine. Great. It was pretty wild. There were stories about kids getting picked up by birds and like Oh. Is pretty crazy. That's fun. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. Well, not to put you on the spot, but why does the Thunderbird fascinate you so much? I think it just has to do with like the first Americans yeah. culture. Like that's just one of the coolest things to me. I've always thought it was super cool. Sure. It's just very interesting. I love learning about it. Yeah. And like their reasons behind things. Exactly. Yeah. And how everything in nature can really be explained by something or someone and i think that's so freaking cool right this is an awesome episode thanks this was a really fun one i'm glad i know you're really excited about it so good job good for episode 10 Woo! well justin in my opinion that was a really good 10th episode yeah that was definitely one of our more fun ones at least on our end yeah i agree yeah honestly just one of my favorite things is just um, sitting back and listening to you talk about something you're passionate about. Yeah. Same. It's just oh, pretty good. Yeah. It's just really fun. And I think that's why I, um, first of all, love you. Great. And I'm excited to spend the rest of my life with you. Great. And um, that's why I like doing this podcast so much. Yeah. Just because I think that you and I are kind of, um, we're very open with each other about random topics and mm-hmm. I like that this has given us a platform to just talk to each other about things that we're interested in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So we really appreciate you all sticking with us. And yeah, um, thank you for 10 episodes. Yeah. It's, it's hard to believe at this yeah. point. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, we're going to try something new. Sort of. Um, and there's just a lot of stuff that Justin and I like that we want to recommend. Mm-hmm. And um, I think also, too, that this is one of my favorite things about social media and people in general is like if someone comes up to me and they're super passionate about something, not like murder or drugs or whatever, but like if yeah. they're like, Hannah, I have this book that I'm, I really, really like and I want to tell you mm-hmm. about. Or like, mm-hmm. hey, have you heard of this band? Or like... Yeah. There was, well, you know this, Justin, there were these, I had two coworkers um, who like two months ago were talking about this peanut butter company. Oh yeah. How much they loved it. And I was like, "Uh, I'm sorry. You need to tell me everything. Seriously, y'all, all all American butter. Oh my Lord. It is so good. Small business, Indianapolis. Oh, great times. Pretty good. Use code HAN10. That is H-A-N-10. For 10% off. It's definitely not an ad. <laughs> no, it's not. But it's seriously, not though. not an ad. We are not sponsored. No, we that. are not sponsored. The only thing that I could wish in your life is that you just get something yummy in you. So, anyway. Very good peanut butter. So freaking good. And almond butter and vegan butter. Ugh, so good. You sounded like you wanted to throw up. Throw up so out of happiness. Great. Anyway, so that's my recommendation. But this is Recommendation Corner. Justin? Um, I'm just going to circle back. 
to what I said earlier in the episode about the Nick. Nice. This is a very good show. It's okay. about the Knickerbocker Hospital um, in New York. Oh. Um, like turn of the century. Sure. 19th century. Nice. Um, well, 20th century, I guess. Yeah. 1900s. It's a period piece TV show. Mm. It's very good. Where can people find it? No idea. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> I feel like it was on Showtime or Stars or something like that. Do you own it? I do. You can get it like on DVD. I see. Okay. It's available probably anywhere to stream. You could probably get it on Amazon. Very but nice. Super good. Okay. I, what's the main guy's name? Dr. Knickerbocker. Dr. Knickerbocker. <laughs> Everybody. Uh, let me just quick find. Um, I have never watched the show, but from what I do know about it, it's kind of like that. If you can think about maybe like a stereotypical um, uh, like lecture hall mm-hmm. of like when I think of um, of early medicine, I think of um, a large room where like the seats go really, really high up and everybody's looking down at a exactly, circle. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I think of. And I think that's what you said. The that's is exactly about. what it's like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, main actor is Clive Owen. Oh, yeah. Right. All right. How can we forget that chin? Oh, such a distinguishable chin. Yeah, it's great. Okay. Um, there's a lot of really... It, it is a little graphic, obviously, because it has to do with the invention of modern medicine and um, modern surgical techniques. Yeah. Uh, but it's so interesting. And it's very... It's a good uh, character art. Uh, character work too. Very nice. So. Oh yeah, that sounds fascinating, and it probably makes you feel pretty grateful for what we've got today. It definitely does. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. If you have any recommendations for us, let us know. We'll take them. Email in anything spooky goes at gmail dot com. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at anything spooky goes podcast podcast. <laughs> you can tell I'm not the social media person. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we'll post pictures from today's episode on our Facebook yeah. for everyone to see. And um, yeah, thanks again for 10 episodes. This has been really fun. Yeah. Stay safe. Stay spooky. Let's party. That's um, not going to be our tagline. <laughs> yeah, no. It's almost <laughs> 9 at night. I'm definitely not partying. So. Just stay safe. Stay spooky. And we'll see you next week. And we'll see you when we see you. All right. Bye. Bye.